This podcast is intended for mature audiences and is not considered appropriate for enjoyment in the workplace. However, as bad as this podcast is, we will take anyone we can get, including those who are hard of hearing. Stop turning that damn dial. We found him. This show is dedicated to the 750,000 fans and listeners spanning from the islands of Hawaii to the trailer parks of North Carolina and over to the whorehouses scattered throughout Europe. <laughs> Zip it. I wasn't finished. Of other shows and podcasts. Not my problem, people. You wanted an intellectual show that worked the brain like mental Viagra, getting old gracefully, and having a sex life like a rock star? Well, then keep your fingers crossed, because you're now listening to Alan Wooford on Diary of a Bald Man. This follically challenged air thief and borderline coffeeholic will educate and inform you about non-penetrating, UFO abductions, developing the perfect chicken and dumplings, and how to live life at the speed of dark. Makes you wish you were hard of hearing, doesn't it? And here he is, with a voice that has you yearning to hear nails being dragged across a chalkboard, Alan Wooford. For everybody that's just joined you that hasn't got onto your TikTok yet, Joe, or sent you feet pictures, where are you joining the show at from today? Oh, I'm coming out of uh, Annapolis, Maryland, um, LGBTQ military capital of, uh, of the country. The Naval Academy's here. So Really? I, I didn't know you were a lesbian. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I am into women. Uh, I'm into whatever, man. We don't need to get into No, 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 no. I hear you know, and for... The ladies listening, he means biologic. Biologic. Alan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Yes. All right. What do you like to eat? I, I can't say that. My wife said I'm not allowed to say that in public forums. But uh, for me, my favorite meal of all time is chicken and dumplings. As odd as it sounds, that is my comfort food. Oh, man. Actually, I don't know if I could actually help you with that here in Annapolis. I can take you to a few different places. There's one, uh, one in particular would be like Vin 909 has a pretty interesting menu. Yeah. Um, I used to know the chef there. He's my neighbor. He's a. So, yeah, they make the best. Absolutely. They make the, well, they do pizza, but they also have a very interesting menu as far as everything else goes. I think they've had a chicken and dumplings on there before. It's very small plate, um, beer and wine only. They don't do liquor. Um, which is good because yeah. I don't do liquor anymore. We can get into that later. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's like the number one spot in uh, in Annapolis, uh, in my opinion. And everyone who comes to Annapolis, because it's Annapolis is a very interesting place. It's a it's a snowbird town, so we get a lot of people from Florida. Oh, okay. It. Um, it's very touristy at times. The summers are wild. Fucking boat shows around here. I hate boats. I I live in Annapolis and I hate boats. And there's boats everywhere. Now, is that your original home, or did you move there because you really enjoyed the community and the vibe and um, the atmosphere? No, no. So, um, so I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I got out of, uh, when I met my wife, we moved up here. I'm from, originally from Prince George's County, Maryland, PG County, um, just outside uh, University of Maryland uh, is where I grew up. Um, oh, well. Kind of like right outside. It, was, it wasn't the greatest of places uh, to grow up. It was normal for me. You know, like gunshots outside, a lot of drug dealings and um shenanigans oh yeah i've seen the wire so i can see that you know it's just a rep 
representation of a small area, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, well, Baltimore is a little further north uh, from where I was, but I spent a lot of time in Baltimore when I was on heroin, speaking of The Wire. But um, but no, PG County was, uh, I don't know, but, uh, not great school systems. Like, it was very easy for me. Um, there, uh, it's, it is very low on the education uh, side of it. Like, I would, when I applied for colleges, no matter if I had a 4.0 or not, man, like, they were like, but you're from PG County. Like, they, they took that. Well, see, I would never had a 4.0 unless it was on a breathalyzer. <laughs> well, then you'd be dead. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm going to get something high, that would be the one I would have scored on back in the day. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever, I've only ever had a breathalyzer. Are you sure it was a breathalyzer? Uh, well, he told me he loved me. Well, uh, that's how it goes. No, actually, when I was in the military, so I was in the Air Force, I was a uh, uh, security forces, and we used, we were right next to the cop shop, and we used to get shit face drunk, and we'd walk over there and see who could blow the highest on the breathalyzer. Um, that's the only time I've ever had a breathalyzer. I, I actually knew Army MPs that would do the same thing. Yeah, you know. Actually, wait, no, go back, because I have done breathalyzer when I was in rehab. They had me do breathalyzers, but of course, I always passed zero because I wasn't drinking. Right, um, I was in rehab. Well, so. let me ask you this, brother, and we'll get yeah. into the rehab because I, I, I think that's a big thing right now with everything that's going on in the area. With you being from Maryland, why did you make the choice? I'm just curious about this um, because you talked about being in the military. How did you end up Air Force instead of like Navy or Coast Guard? Uh, well, coming from College Park, so I actually, um, I had a, um, a scholarship to Columbia University. Um, nice. From journalism, School of Journalism. And... Uh, that took a that took a lot, man. I had my uh, I was in the school newspaper. I had a lot of letters written. I talked to my, you know, I got a letter from a, a senator that my teacher set up, like one of my teachers. Um, and you know, I, but then I I was missing half a gym credit, and uh, I got kicked out of Latin class for. How do you miss gym? I mean, kickball is kickball. Yeah. No, so uh, actually, it was funny. Uh, I switched high schools. Uh, I was at one high school, and I skipped class. I got pistol whipped in the woods they and robbed and then I got suspended for it and my mom was like you're changing high schools and I was like yeah okay uh, so I went to a different high school for performing arts and uh, I never took gym at my old high school to get that credit uh, like physical education so I went to the next high school I never took it there either so it wasn't until the very end that they were like oh you're missing half a gym credit and then with they wouldn't have cared I think they wouldn't have cared if because I did a lot of extracurricul- extracurriculars but I, uh, I got into it with my Latin teacher, uh, who was a very old lady. Was she a nun? Teacher was not a nun. Uh, she was just an old lady, and I called her a battle axe and a grandma, and she got very offended by that. So obviously she wasn't hot. No, okay. No, no, no. Uh, she, I mean, she was a great teacher, and like I was just a dickhead. Like that's it. I was just like a total piece of shit, uh, class clown. And I ran my mouth and like our personalities clashed. And I think, again, because of how I was acting on other things, I think she used me saying these things as a way to like just get me out of the class. And uh, anyway, I lost my scholarship. Um, so I had to go to night school for gym and for one elective. One they actually had night school for gym? Yeah. Um, wow. Actually, it was really cool. So I was the only white kid there um, at night school for gym for physical education, which was... No shit. It was two hours of basketball 
twice a week. That was all we did. Huh. And all, all you had to do was show up and play basketball. And um, I had no idea how to play basketball. I was terrible at it. And these guys, man, they like, I was always intimidated um, by basketball because it was like such a competitive sport. And like a lot of people I know were really good at it. And I just was not. Um, but these guys like taught me how to play basketball. Well, what about today? Do you still play? Oh, hell no, man. I don't do sports. It's ridiculous. Okay. Sounds like, sounds like work. Um, <laughs> I might play cornhole every once in a while. I prefer horseshoes. I call cornhole pussy horseshoes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it. Like, if I'm somewhere and there's cornhole, somebody will suck me into it. Um, that's about the only. Seconds. I could see that as a lead going into the Air Force instead of like the yeah. Navy or yeah, something cornhole. like that. I played softball in the Air Force too, man, but I wasn't very good at that either. See, my dad did. He loved, when he was in the Air Force and we were on Guam, uh, he played baseball there and they did bowling. And when he was at Keesler, he did softball and basketball. There's something about the Air Force guys, man. They they love that sport. Oh, yeah. I, said, well, soft, I didn't think they have a lot of intramural softball. And then, like, the basketball stuff I did a little bit while I was in the military with some yeah. friends, like, for PT. Um, like if we had to go, they're like, Hey, mandatory PT, which is in the air force. is just like basketball again. I was like, Oh man. Um, but no, I graduated, I graduated, right. I went yeah. to night school. Um, I got my diploma. I was getting my diploma for the election credit, but I was also working nights at UPS. Um, yeah, I was 19 years old. Um, no idea what I was going to do with my life. Like my whole, everything was turned upside down. Like I didn't even tell my parents that I had applied for colleges cause they weren't very, um, school focused uh, okay um and my i was the youngest of two other boys and they were both kind of you know jackasses Duck. um you know and uh had you already taken the ASVAB or you hadn't even taken the ASVAB no no i had i had no idea so like again this is post 9 11 2004 um you know everybody's very like pro america um everyone's very patriotic at the time uh, a lot of american flags everywhere and um I had never even considered, I mean, I wanted to join the army at one point when I was younger. Um, cause my dad was army. He's a numb vet. He was, uh, he passed away in August. Um, but, uh, like that was it. I wanted, and I, I, I guess I grew up watching full metal jacket. Right. Yeah. Platoon. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, but my friend, he would, he joined the air force. Um, he was, uh, one of my best friends, um, actually my best friend, um, and he, uh, he joined the Air Force and he came home. Uh, there's this thing called recruiter assistance, if you're familiar with it. Um, but for anybody listening, recruiter assistance, the RAP program, is where after basic training, you get to go home and work with a recruiter. Um, it's basically two weeks of free leave where you get to go into the recruiter's office and you hang out there. Most places across the country that do this, you come home and the recruiter's like, just go home and take your leave, man, I don't care. Oh, I thought they would have dragged you around, dude, like your old schools and stuff so your friends could see you and things like that. Um, I, I don't remember that program when I was in the Army. Um, but, th yeah, that would make sense. Well, some people do that. Like, they actually will. And they did that to my friend. They made him go to, like, different high schools and talk to people. And um, But he, he came up to me. He goes, Joe, if you act like you're going to join the military, if you act like you're going to join the Air Force, I get two days off. And I can hang we can hang out. That is cool. That was pretty. I, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll pretend like I'm going to join the Air Force. So I went in there and I pretended like I was going to join. Because you can back out any minute. I haven't signed anything yet. And I didn't give a shit. I was getting my degree and I planned on reapplying to Columbia and going off for that scholarship again and getting the fuck out of Maryland. And um, anyway, uh, my friend Nate, 
he told his dad. Anyway, he came back to my family, found out that I was joining the Air Force. And for the first time ever, my dad said he was proud of me. Even though it was Air Force and not Army. See, my dad was the same. He was, he retired Air Force, and I went in the Army National Guard. But I wanted to be a medic, and I didn't know the Air Force had stuff like that because, you know, uh, the Army recruiters were the ones really pushing at the time. Air Force, not so much. Yeah, I don't know. Air Force changed, has changed a lot, man. Um, yeah, but what about that Space Force thing? I still don't understand that. Uh, actually, I, oh, man, I, could, I talked to a guy who's in the Space Force. Uh, he's actually part of that Joint Command or whatever. Um, he was Air Force or Navy, I think, and they trans they sent him over to work with the Space Force, and it's fucking scary. Yeah, I'd seen some some commentary, you know, similar to like you were saying, scary shit. Guys were looking at uh, I can't remember the base down in Florida, but they'd removed Air Force, and now it's the Space Force, and you know some of the stuff like that. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's to integrate, you know, this section into uh, like NASA or something like that. And the guy was like, no, completely different, man. Yeah, you gotta look at the look at the Space Force flag, man. There's two constellations on there, and both of them are um, they're called uh, I think Cinderella planets or something. Oh, um, and they're still, uh, Cinderella systems. I don't know, man. I I'm not gonna start spouting bullshit on you. Right. No, I'm I'm dead curious about it. We but uh, definitely. But it's that. the only it's the only systems that could possibly have uh, life. So okay, it's on their flag. That, that makes like, sense. Man, that's fucking creepy, man. Like, what do you guys know? And then the UFO thing was released, which nobody gave a shit about because yeah, it yeah. is. Well, when you were going to the Air Force and, you know, you were tough, oh, we'll, we'll get back and, you know, you're getting in, your dad being proud of you. Um, was that because you just, you were thinking about being cool, you know, flying and things like that is what that led up to it? Or, you know, please finish what you were saying because your dad being oh. proud of you, that's cool as shit. Yeah, it was cool. But then again, I was pretending like I was going to join and like. I'm not saying I'm that guy that has dad issues where I'm like constantly seeking the approval of my father. But I kind of got sucked into it, and I was like, wait. And then I like, I just ended up joining. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, man. Like, this is, and I just got roped into the Air Force. And, like. Did you choose security forces or based off your ASVAB? They, you know, talked about giving you guns and shit like that. I mean. So, yeah, I mean, I was that kid. Uh, like, so they said, hey, you get to pick your job. You can go in, like, like I didn't know that you could actually say, hey, I want a guaranteed career. You can negotiate with a recruiter. I was like, what? I found that out later, um, but you, I went in with this open general, which is you get to pick five things that you want to do, and um, you know you get sent to that one of those five things, and one of those five things was security forces. And the recruiter looked at me and said, "Are you sure you want to do that?" And he tried to like dissuade me. Uh, well, that is, I saw the picture of the security forces guy, and he had a dog and a beret, and I'm a fucking nerd, and I was like, "That's awesome, I want to do that." And he had a gun. And I was like, oh, gun, a dog, and a beret. He was a raven. He was a raven, yeah. He yeah. was a raven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went in there as security forces. And, like, everybody, I, like, there was a bunch of people that were there for that. Because at the time, uh, the Air Force was switching over to using security forces um, over in uh, Iraq a lot um, to augment with the Army and the Navy. So, um, and I, I don't really want to get into, like, stuff like No, that's fine, brother. But um, I do want to ask you this. What did you have on your dream sheet, though? Oh, yeah, the dream sheet. Yeah, it was Security Forces was one of them. And I think it was, uh, I had uh, EOD, I think, was on there. Right. Um, and then, like, I can't remember the other ones. Like, I wish I could remember that. It was This was, again, 2004, man. Right. 
Um, and I didn't even go in until January 2005. So it was like right on the new year. You know, I, I, only, I needed like four years, 15 years ago, man. It's not, and it was like, I'm kind of, I was kind of in the military. Yeah. What's funny is I dealt so much, I mean, after my time in the Army, um, before coming to Tennessee and doing safety and stuff, and I was working government contracts, I worked for the Air Force on Wake Island and on Shemya Island. And it, it was interesting, you know, how many Air Force guys, especially CE, the firefighters and construction, mm-hmm. would continue to do that, you know, and they'd have Red Horse and they'd have all this other stuff. I thought, man, that's cool as shit. And, you know, the stuff a lot of the Air Force guys did, because a lot of security force guys that I worked with when I was in law enforcement or AFOSI, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I didn't even know the Air Force had organizations like that with inside, you know. I uh, always thought CBs did this or uh, Navy did this aspect. But then it's like, no, you know, Prime Beef, uh, these other organizations will go out with Semper Runway. We'll do this. So that's cool. So if you thought about all the locations you've been to, what was, whether it was TDY or whatever, what was your favorite location? Where, where did you think was the best, you know, base that you were at? I mean, I loved Okinawa, dude. Like that was my first station. So uh-huh. right out of base, like, I was in tech school and like a couple of us got recruited for, um, sorry, a couple of us got recruited for uh, Yankee White, which is working president. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, it was like me and like three other people, like y'all around me applied for it. Like they, they came down, they did a whole thing of like, Hey, this is where you want to go. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do that, man, because that's back at Andrews Air Force Base, which is like fucking 20 minutes from my house growing up. And I was trying to get away from my family. Oh, God, I can't imagine the PRP and everything you had to go for that. I did that in Barksdale when I did nukes. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, God, okay. yeah, dude, that was. But I ended up going to, I had orders to Japan. I was like, I'm not turning that down. It's like the where, that's like my place I've always wanted to go. And like Okinawa is amazing. And it's great if you're not in the military. Um, but at the time we got there, there was like a curfew and like, I think that's when like my alcoholism started kicking in. Um, like I, I never really drank or did any drugs or anything before the military. Um, I kind of, I drank sometimes, but like, I always looked forward to drinking when I was growing up, like 16, 17. I had my, oh yeah. When I was, yeah. Yeah. I had to be like with my dad, I was like seven or eight years old. Like we would eat crabs and drink beer. Like, and like, I mean, I would get like a half a glass of beer. Right. Like, yeah, I've got friends in Germany that says, yeah, our kids have have beer, you know, with supper and everything. I mean, that that's part of their diet. Yeah, it puts them to sleep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when I was over there, it was like I I found my love for drinking and going out and meeting people. I'm I'm an apex extrovert, man. I need I need to be around people, and um, I love being like you know the funny guy and all that stuff. I mean, I'm dead inside, but like on the outside. I like to have a lot of fun, man. And I'm self-destructive. So alcohol was perfect. It's not self-destructive. I think they just look and say, that was a self-destructive tendency and say, I'm going to try this. Now, at the time you went to Okinawa, um, what were you, like an airman or A1C? Yeah, yeah. I was you know, I was, uh, I was airman. Uh, then I made A1C and then I lost rank. Um, that's a great story. Jesus Christ. We had a fucking Christmas party in July. Because we were all, depl- we deploy. I got, as soon as I got to base, I deployed to Iraq. And, um, that was interesting, uh, because we, I never worked flight before. Like I never worked oh, wow. in my life in the air force. And my first day on the job doing security forces shit was in Iraq. And the click, which is nothing like when you get, when you're at home station. 
When we got back, we all had a Christmas party in July. It was called Sexness. I don't know. We thought it was funny. Capital X, everything else, lowercase. Oh, my God. And like three, like three flights of security forces members showed up. Everybody was there. Back office was there. Like officers were there. It was a wild time. It was underage drinking. And like, you know, it just got, it gotten turned into a mess. And then we all went out downtown, which was a big mistake. Um, and like, I was talking to this girl and I was like, again, 19 years old or 20 years old. And I talked to this girl and, uh, turns out she's like underage and she's drunk. And so I get her. Yeah. It's Asia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was American. She was a dependent. Oh, uh, okay. Um, of some fucking general. But we get her a cab, and then this thing called courtesy patrol, all these guys walk up and us in blues, like in their fucking dress blues, and they're they're going around making sure everybody's, you know, where they need to be and who they are, uh, and they're trying to catch us up on, like, you know, not breaking curfew. And you don't have to legally answer them if you're not in uniform. You can just be like, I'm not in the military, and then run away down a dark alley. You could have gotten away with all kinds of shit. But me, being high-speed drunk Joe, I walk up to them, and I'm like, hey, guys, these girls are underage drinking. And we're getting them into a cab. And I'm drunk as fuck, which is not a great thing. And they were all cool with it. They were like, yeah, get, get your ass back on base, man. You have like 10 minutes or 15 minutes to get back on base. And we were like, yeah, we're going now. Um, but we we didn't. We went back to uh, where we had this party, which was off base. And uh, anyway, these other guys, their names came up. It turned into a whole thing. And there was like all these goddamn reports. And then some Marines and a fight. And like, basically, I ended up like, I'd hate to see the hot sheet on that. Oh, God, man. I got called my commander, a full bird colonel, screaming at me, right? Um, called me a criminal mastermind and a ringleader because of all these fucking reports. Like, we had to file, like, uh, you had to take statements from everybody. And, like, me and my friend and, like, a couple other people, all the statements were pretty much exactly the same. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, the two underage kids that were drinking, uh, airmen, um, they were honest. Like they did, they they were in integrity first. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I got slammed. Man. Actually, I had just put on E three, so A one C. I I had just had it on long enough. I didn't even have it on my fucking blues. I had to, I had to go see the commander. I had to take my blues, get A one C, put on my blues to go see the commander for him to tell me to take them off. Uh -huh. I was like, fuck, man. Um, and then I had to work extra duty. Uh, I got I got. Got hit pretty hard, man. Um, because I was the criminal mastermind. I, Damn that UCMJ fucking Article 15. Was, everyone's like, "Why didn't you get a lawyer?" And I was like, "I didn't know I could do that, man. I'm fucking 20 years. I'm dumb. 20 years old. My brain isn't even fucking fully developed yet, man. You guys are fucking me over." Um, well, yeah, I bet you were glad to PCS out of there. Uh, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, kind of. And then I went to Barksdale Air Force Base in 2007 during the whole new crisis when they like found a fucking nuclear weapon sitting on the flight line. So my, I didn't even work flight yet there. And like, shit's going down. I'm just bad luck. Um, That's bullshit, dude. It, it, it's just you attract things are like, hmm, that's not normal. Also, I, I'm not going to lie, Alan. I was the worst airman ever. I was not like, I was like, like George Carlin. I'd love talking about him. He was a shitty airman. Yeah, he was a great veteran too. I mean, yeah. look at him. Johnny Cash hated being in the Air Force. I mean, look how many people served in. It's like, man, you know, Johnny Cash was out of that, but I hated that fucking thing. I hated being <laughs> over here. But yeah, George Carlin, God bless him. I, was, I wish he was still alive. I'd love to see the two of you fucking going. Did you, uh, did you see that video I posted about him? No, I missed that. 
How long ago was it? Uh, it was not too long ago. I was doing this whole thing on celebrity. Oh, no, no. I did see that. I, I'm sorry, Joe. I did. Yeah, you just started that thing about uh, veterans and benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, George Collin was stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base, and um, he was called an unproductive airman. He was a radio technician or a, rad- a radar technician. So was Morgan Freeman. Uh, Bob, Bob Ross was in the Air Force. Yeah, Bob Ross, the painter. So if you guys don't know, he had the kinky hair. He would paint it all the time. Now his son's doing it. Yeah, and I, actually, um, it's funny. Bob Ross was uh, he was a uh, training instructor, um, MTI, wow. uh, in Alaska. And uh, his job was like yelling at people. And he said he hated it so much. He found his love for painting and he just wanted to be more, live a more calm life and be nicer to people. Dad gum. Yeah, I could imagine him doing MTI and then coming in. It's like, okay, let's take a little bit of this and put that tree in the back. <laughs> Is that, well, speaking of that joke, I mean, you're, you're talking about people that I grew up with, on, you know, seeing on TV, stuff like that. You know, when do you have an artistic side yourself? Do you have a hobby? you know, that you picked up during your time in the military or something you found that you enjoy doing? I mean, other other than, you know, uh, a lot of people say, oh, I love shooting and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, because you were security forces. I fucking hate shooting, man. Like, the military sucked all the fun out of it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like, going to the range, I'm like, that's a, that's a fucking job, man. It's on my day off. I have to go fire a fucking weapon. God damn it. got to clean it. But... No, I, uh, I actually, I, I, you know, as I went to school, again, um, I was a journalist. Uh, I liked writing. Um, I used to write a lot of uh, nonfiction, um, short story, like, you know, short um, bios on people. And, like, I, when I was in Louisiana, I wrote for a magazine down there. Um, I just basically got to go hang out with, like, local bands and, like, club openings. And um, I would just, gonzo journalism, man, like, write about my shenanigans and me getting fucked up and doing stupid shit. But I, I was writing under a pseudonym. Um, I also started drawing a cartoon back there, but I really kind of got into comedy uh, and started doing some stand-up. See, I could see you doing that. I mean, and, and again, for everybody listening, you know, if you go on TikTok, look up Just Joe and the facial expressions, everything. I mean, your timing is just fucking impeccable. Then the subtitles come in. It's like, this is what he really wants to say, but, you know, for the hearing impaired and the old fuckers like Alan... I mean, I could see you doing that, or a radio show, or like me, you know, get a podcast, uh, but do video, you know, put them put them on and say, okay, if we were to polygraph you right now, what are you going to lie about first? <laughs> Let's get it yeah. out of the way. Yeah, I thought about doing a podcast for a while too, man, but like the thing is like, if you look at my, if you actually go through my TikTok and you go to the very bottom, I started getting on TikTok for two reasons. One was my son, my 16-year-old son, um, who I was estranged from, uh, he was on TikTok, and when he came back in my life, I got on the app to kind of connect with him when he was like 13. Hey, brother, I understand. I didn't meet my oldest son. He's in his 30s now until he was 17. That's why I was curious about yours, because I, I didn't even know Cameron was around, and I was working in Alaska, and some events happened. It's like, I got a what? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fucking mind-blower, man. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew Patrick was around. I knew my son was around. Um, I was stationed in Japan again. I was seeing this girl. She got pregnant. I had orders to PCS already in play when she found out, so I couldn't get those orders changed. I PCSed. She married somebody else. Um, my son was born, um, and then they got divorced, and then she married another guy at another base. And I was also, at the time, uh, uh, in full, full in on heroin, um, so like I just didn't give a shit about anything. Um, 
So like, yeah, then uh, she came, she went into a coma and he came back in my life. No, let's, let's step back on that for a second, brother. Cause same thing with my son, you know, the wife got pregnant. She ended up with somebody else, you know, and you had to come back from struggling with the heroin. Now, was that due to an injury? Was it due to like, you know, someone said, oh, you know, uh, you hurt your foot, take this and you got hooked. How did that come about? Well, like I was saying, like uh, when I was in Japan, I fell in love with alcohol, but also what I fell in love with uh, was Percocet. Um, so I started doing both of those hand in hand. I just, I mean, like I used to think I was just a drug addict, but I know I'm an alcoholic. I also know that I, I seek intensity, but I had a okay. throat surgery and they gave me Percocet while I was in the military. Okay. And I didn't know you could get high on it. I didn't know that was a thing. Right. I thought it was just a pain right. I didn't know like, and then I started seeking that intensity you know, um, over and over. And then, uh, when I got out of the service, I was on a bunch of, uh, anti-anxiety meds, all kinds of stuff. And my brother happened to be, uh, also a heroin addict. So I kind of fell into it with him too. Um, so I discovered heroin. So let me ask you this, brother, I, for everybody listening, you know, you, we see this a lot and, and not, not with Joe. Um, but in my current position, you know, doing safety and audits and training, we've had to do a lot of Narcan training. And a lot of the companies we're doing this have veterans, and most of them had, you know, TBIs or other injuries related to uh, what they did in service. And, you know, they're not seeing a lot of support from the VA in reducing it. It's like, hey, you know, this, just take your medicine, stay calm, get in this job. And, and I'm not saying that's true of everybody. But, Joe, do you think that, because, uh, you know, it goes on outside the military too, people just, happen to get onto it. Do you think it was harder for you to, as you were going through the rehab, um, to get off of this? Was it helping you deal with like PTS or any of these type yeah. things? Or was it just the good feeling of, you know, like you said, pain relief? No, I mean, it was more than that. So, um, I don't know if I can be brutally honest here. So first of all, I mean, I like to talk about, I don't like to talk about my service too much because I sound nope. like a fucking idiot when I say I'm an Air Force combat vet. <laughs> um, like you just, you, I mean, in my opinion, I'm like, man, I, I can't imagine what other people think because like when people thank me for my service and I'm like, yeah, cool. And they go, what branch? And I'm like, the Air Force. And then they just like, it's like you met the worst Avenger. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're Hey, dude, you didn't <laughs> say Space Force and they're like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now they're, they're here, but I mean, I think I. I, they're still part of the Air Force, I believe. I don't know. Anyway, no, so I, um, yeah, getting off of it, it was, it, it did a lot of things for me. Uh, one was I thought I got rid of this imaginary pain I had. I had low back issues, as I thought. I mean, like, I, I got messed up a little bit over there, and um, uh, I was on painkillers for that. But again, I wasn't, like, hooked on them. Was that from basketball? <laughs> no, no, no. It was uh, uh, a Humvee incident. But um, doesn't matter. Uh, so... Um, anyway, I was injured and I was on painkillers and then when I got out, heroin was better because I started, I got cut off from the VA on my meds and I just started going right to street drugs. So I was getting Percocets on the street, which eventually turns into, which is the same story for every veteran I've ever met. Absolutely. No, absolutely See? true. Absolutely true. I've been in and out of like in rehabs over and over again. And we see it out in the civilian world too. It's like, it's painkillers to heroin yeah. because it's cheaper and it's more accessible. And now it's laced with fentanyl, so it's like fucking roulette. And I was on I was on methadone for a bit too, and I, I'm methadone again. I'm not a huge fan of 
for multiple reasons. Personally, I know some people need that stuff, and I'm actually in uh, in school for addictions counseling. I don't know if you know that either. No, brother, I'm glad to hear that. Um, that's something I've always wanted to do is just help people, especially people in the same situation I had. Yeah, you've been there. That hurts. Yeah, exactly. I think that's who can help the most. But well, yeah, you're not condescending saying, well, you need to do this for this reason. You could say, no. you know what? I was at such a low point. I was giving hand jobs to the dogs, you know, in the VA clinic or some shit. I don't know. I'm sorry. Please go. <laughs> if I'm being honest, when I was full flight of my addiction and I did, I did a lot of things for drugs. <laughs> hey, a lot do, brother. I mean, you're yeah. in that circumstance, you know. Yeah, and you know, and like it's that. That's the thing, man. Is like you, you got to, you can't so you can't marinate in the past, right? You can't pre-live and relive, and you know, you got to stay more present because every day is a gift. Um, See, there's that optimism again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, dude, sarcastic you've had, optimism. Hey, no, you've had some serious shit that you went through, you know. And and I'm not going to tell everything, guys. Go on Joe's TikTok; you have to see it. And Joe can give you the full thing. But, dude, you know, uh, getting with your son, reestablishing a relationship, coming out from a severe injury, uh, having to do basketball at night, you know, all these different... No, there's a lot of different stresses out there people don't even think about. And it's like, oh, no, this is common. This is common. That's why it's common. That shit happens to you constantly. You know, and at some point, it can be a break. And, you know, Joe, the fact... I, I did not know you were going through that counseling training. That's great. You know... And with your amazing talent at presenting stuff and that no bullshit attitude, because you're not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to say you're fucking dying by doing this shit. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you're, you'll be a huge success and I'll definitely want to get a pair of your signed underwear. Um, because I want that DNA, but, uh, I think the suicide drugs are a suicide installment plan, man. Like there's no other option. Like, you know, and we're getting close to the end of the show, guys. But Joe, what was the catalyst that got you into rehab and to succeed to where you have now? Um, so uh, my wife. I mean, I've, I I I tried to off myself a few times. Uh, we all get sad. And um, uh, for for heroin, uh, I overdosed, and then you know I was lying. My wife was really there for me, man. Like she, by the time we were dating, she didn't have to. And I I checked back into the VA, uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia, and um. I don't know, man. Like, I just, it took me nine, I was inpatient for nine months. That's a long, that's a long time. Yeah, I did. I did. It was because heroin, I found out that heroin and alcohol are not my problem. I'm the problem. Um, and like, I seek intensity. So, whether it be gambling or sex or whatever, that's what I'm addicted to. I'm addicted to the intensity of it. And I learned a lot of that. And like, that's what keeps me clean. Like, in the last nine months, since I stopped drinking alcohol, because alcohol was used as a replacement, but, uh, you know, my son came back into my life really. Um, my dad died. My mom has cancer. Um, I'm working. Like all kinds of shit is going on. Like just one thing after the other. And I and no matter what happened, I still haven't drank, man. Um, because it's not an option anymore. It's just not. It's not something that I want to do. I know where this is going to go. And when I quit drinking alcohol, that was like again tried to kill myself. Ended up in a psych ward. Some dude trying to fucking kill me in there. Um, and uh. I don't know, man. Like, I'm just, I'm tired, man. Fucking, I was tired of it. And the heroin thing, I, again, that really wasn't my problem. You're just lost and you don't know what you're doing and it's finding direction. But, and for me, that direction is, is helping people and making people laugh. You do. It, that is such a fucking hard on for it, dude. It's, and it's, 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 all right. So it's, 
it's symbiotic, right? Like I, it's not like I do it out of fucking altruism. I do, but I also get something out of it too, because it's all attention seeking behavior. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with seeking attention because I have, I've learned, I have uh, low self-worth, right? Like I struggle with my own self-worth. I have a bucket that has a hole in it and it can, I can never get enough love. It doesn't work. You know, I, I was told that at one point too, when I was going through, um, some of the counseling for the PTS and where, you know, I, I attempted suicide and they were like, you know, at some point we didn't get validation on this or validation on that. Other things, you know, oh, you, you're constantly fucking this up. And it wasn't my family. Um, it was the person I was with at the time. So you kept getting that negative reinforcement. And so you would do shit, you know, around others that did pick you up. And I mean, that is what you do, Joe, you know, with, <laughs> with your education and your desire to write and all that. I mean, you actually know the psychology of making others happy. You truly do. You're fucking gifted on it. And I'm just waiting for Matt Reif to call you up and say, hey, come on, do a show with me and let, let's not, you know, talk about you know, smacking this or hitting that individual. Um, yeah, I, they I, truly, I, dude, you are gifted. I was, it's funny you said Matt Reif, but thank you so much, man. That means a lot, Alan. Uh, but the Matt Reif thing, I, I, I don't know, man. He does crowd work. I could talk about Matt Reif forever and comedians like that that do crowd work, Yeah, um, which is their big thing. I've never seen any of his shows. Uh, I just know that one thing, and that's what he's going to be. I've just seen him on the TikTok and his Netflix series came out and I was laughing and I liked how, you know, a lot of the women in the crowd were like, oh, you know, like, it, like the sister thing. Yeah, you know, we're not yeah. going to let you talk shit like that. Well, you know, I have, a, I have a canceled joke, right? I have a joke I used to tell when I did stand up that I would close with. I wish you'd get back into stand up unless it takes you down a, you know, a dark alley you don't want to do it. Also, I have, okay. I have two other kids, man. I'm saying, you know, I, I love work nights. But Alan, I want to tell this joke because I cannot tell it on TikTok. Okay. Go ahead. But I used to do this. Joke. I do a parental warning. It's right on the show card. <laughs> so if I, I, I've been trying to get canceled for a while now because that's a dream of mine. Um, but I used to tell this joke about how, this is again, what I didn't stand up before. The whole setup is I'm a straight white male. Sorry, everybody. And I, yeah, I would have to, um, uh, open with a preamble and end with a qualifier whenever I said anything of that could be touchy or sensitive and I didn't want to offend anybody so I would always start something with like I'm not a racist but then I would say something racist right like that's usually when somebody says that and then you would end sentences at the time with like no homo was a big thing like you know you would say something oh yeah 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 ambiguous you'd be like oh no homo so I was like, well, man, if you opened up with I'm not a racist and ended with no homo, you could say whatever you wanted in between, <laughs> right? Because that's how the mentality works for straight white males. It's like, ah, as long as I add this preamble and qualifier, we're good. So I would say, you know, like, I'm not a racist, Alan. But if I was in prison, I would rather be raped by a white guy than a black guy. No homo. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, you got to put that into a visual and go, yeah, Alan's got a small dick where <laughs> Toby over what? here has a pipe wrench. Yeah, I'd rather take it softer, man. <laughs> a little bit of love, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, you need bonding. You need, yeah, you need bonding and comfort no matter where you are, prison, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, love is love. It is. And speaking of love, brother, people that are listening to this, you know, if they want to show you love and appreciation for bringing out, you know, the, a lot of the challenges and a lot of the things that, you know, you had to face. Um, can they message you on TikTok? Do they have to be friends first? 
you know, how would you like them to follow up with you? Because again, you're the first interview of the year. I wanted that specifically because I was going through some challenges last year and nothing bad, no, yeah, nothing yeah. life altering. It was just a lot of stress and stuff the wife were going through, but I'd, I'd open up and I'd look at your videos and I would fucking laugh until I sharded. And I, let me tell you guys, I'm going to do a promo next month about the best adult diapers if you're going to be watching Joe. But dude, seriously, the one of the very first things I thought was, holy shit, he should do stand-up. Or you should do like, you know, you're doing with the TikTok, but do videos. I would, I, I, I'm not gay, but I mean, and watching you talk, I might say, well, I'm just rubbing this because of the tension. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you, brother. So, you, can't, you can't help what feels good. You can't help that. <laughs> Well, for people that want to feel uh, feel good and get more and get to enjoy you, what is the best way for them to find Joe? So I'm on uh, I'm on TikTok. Obviously, I'm not really much on Instagram, but you can follow me that way. But yeah, you can anybody can message me on on TikTok. It just gets filtered, and I go through those. It'll let me know that I have unfiltered. I have filtered messages. As long as you're not just sending me like wavy hands, which is like the generic hey. Uh, <laughs> like if you send me a real message, stop throwing those gang signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah knock that off, dude. My gang, I'm out the gang light. It wasn't for me. Too too much of a dork. Joe, you know, you were thinking earlier, you'd asked me about what my favorite food is. I went up to see some friends of mine up in Maryland. Uh, I just finished out an assignment in Cleveland, Ohio, and I wish I could remember. It was the biggest, best crab cakes I ever had in my fucking life. And we weren't too far from D.C. I think, I think maybe a 45-minute drive um, up into your area. But uh, I'll have to look it up and send it to you. But these things must have been a pound a piece. But it was the best crab cake I have ever had. I think it was. I, I, I had water bar and grill, which is down there, which is uh, which is really good. They have a really good cream and crab soup, and they had met. Yeah, these these people, their crab cakes are so uh, well known that they actually will ship them to you too. And I was looking it up, and it was fifty dollars for a crab cake. And I was like, man, if I was there, I mean, it, it was so good. I mean, it was really that good. So if I was in your area, I'd get crab cake, uh, red wine, and um, probably, um, uh, I think, I don't know if it's the blue crabs, soft shell crabs that are out there that, you know, people say are really good too. I'd like to try that. There's a, there's a, it's, and, I mean, there's so many blue crab places, like crab places around here. Um, I think the places that ships it out, I know there's... Um, uh, uh, something, not Joe Seafood. I'd have to ask Ramona or her husband, Chris, because she, they took me there and I was like, holy shit, that was good. It, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I was licking everybody's fingers that walked by, they had it. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was sta- sitting right next to the bathroom and I was like, man, that crab's kind of lumpy. But, uh, <laughs> I'll be more careful. Yeah. So, Joe, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking time from your family and everything else, reaching out. Uh, I would definitely like, if you would consider this, we got another program coming up in the next quarter, but I'd like to have you. Um, it's where we're bringing in veterans and stuff, you know, that are going over and love to have you back. And uh, thank you so much for being so great and just um, bringing life and fucking humor to TikTok and the people around you. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Alan. It was a it was a pleasure to be here, and I'm I'm glad to know you, man. So, okay, I definitely will. And for everybody listening again, go to TikTok, look for Just Joe. Be prepared to you know enjoy everything you see. Uh, you you have to listen, but you have to read as well. Plan, prepare, communicate, engage. 
Now get the hell out of us. Get the hell out of here so he and I can bond for a few moments. Thank you for listening. We love you. You have been listening to Diary of a Bald Man. Alan Wofford has left the building. Alan Wofford has produced this podcast for entertainment purposes. Neither this nor any other podcast he produced constitute legal, medical, marital, sexual, or professional advice. The opinions and views presented by Alan are his own and do not reflect the views or opinions of employers, clients, family, Facebook groupies, promotional sponsors, or baby Jesus. Any health information shared or mentioned as an alternative does not create any patient-physician relationship or other professional relationship between the audience and the presenters. No person listening to any podcast from this rocket surgeon should act or refrain from acting based on the content of a podcast without first seeking appropriate professional advice and or counseling. Nor shall the information be used to substitute for professional advice and counseling. As stated earlier, this show is for entertainment purposes, not how to lead or change your life, do what is best for you or what your spouse approves of. Alan Wooford and all guests of the show expressly disclaim all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any and all contents of this site. Thank <laughs> you.